that's the first thing that like people when they try it, they're like, the basket's really far away. When I stand up, it's much closer. And what they don't understand is how much you're getting from your lower body. When I'm shooting in my chair, I'm basically using everything from my abs up at the most just to get that ball there. And from the three-point line, it can be pretty far for some players, especially in their first try. That was Bryce Duty describing the challenge of shooting a basketball from a wheelchair. Hear more about Bryce's childhood in Maine, his seven seasons playing professionally in Europe after graduating from Edinburgh University, his work today as a military adaptive sports coordinator, and his hopes for the Punishers in future seasons. This is episode two of the Punishers Wheelchair Basketball Podcast. Welcome to episode two of the Punisher's Wheelchair Basketball Podcast. Our guest today is Bryce Duty. How are you doing, Bryce? Doing well, thanks. How about yourself? I'm doing good. Thanks for coming out today. How long have you been a member of the Punishers? This is my second season here playing with the Punishers. I'm excited to finish out this year. I think we have a really good squad. We have a lot of former teammates here on the team with me, so it's nice. We feel comfortable playing together, and I think we're growing as a unit. How long have you been playing basketball? I've been playing for about 20 years now. I started originally when I was in Maine. It's where I grew up. Started playing when I was 12 or 13, just on an adult recreational team, pretty low level, but it got me motivated to get started and go out there. And then I switched to another team in Southern Maine, which was a little bit more advanced. Players have been playing longer, better physical like abilities. Until I graduated high school, I played with that team. And you were in a wheelchair at the time? Yeah, I was born with neuroblastoma, which is cancer of the spine. It's basically like having partial paralysis in my legs. I've always had my conditions, so I don't know anything different than basically playing adaptive sports. As a child, I tried playing other sports, standing up like baseball, basketball, stuff of that nature. But once I got to age like 10, 11, 12, Everyone else got significantly taller and faster, and I unfortunately didn't, and that's when I reached out to find different adaptive sports. Did you play any other sports besides basketball as a kid? The biggest sport I played adaptive sport-wise was tennis. I played that from when I was like 14 to 17. Unfortunately, in Maine, it's a rather large state with limited opportunities. Short tennis season. Yeah, exactly. In most tournaments, you're going to like Massachusetts or Connecticut, and that wasn't easy for my parents to be going two weekends a month to these places that are four or five hours away each way. I basically had to choose between basketball or tennis at one point. Tennis seems like it would be tough in a wheelchair because of the lateral movement. Yeah, the, the biggest thing at first is being able to move with the racket in your hand. So luckily I have pretty large hands, so I can put the racket in like my fingertips and you push more with the palm. But that was the biggest difference between basketball and tennis, was the maneuverability for me. What is your ability to be able to walk? I walk on a daily basis, like when I'm at work or going places, I typically walk unless I know it's going to be an extended amount of time. Like if I'm walking like a mile or two, I don't particularly want to walk. I just fatigue out easily. Normally my lower back starts to hurt. I become impatient because I'm in pain and it's just not as pleasurable as if I go in my wheelchair. Did you use a wheelchair when you went to school as a kid? It was really off and on depending on the situation. I had a lot of surgeries as a child to try to keep me upright and walking. So those would sometimes cause setbacks or I'd be in the chair trying to recover. So during those points I would be in the chair, but majority of the time I was walking. 
And what was your experience like with your classmates in school as you were growing up? I was really lucky that I had a lot of the same classmates. It was a pretty small town, only like a thousand people where I grew up. So it was, it was almost like a tight-knit family. Like mm-hmm. I had certain people who I knew would like, stick up for me if anything ever happened, and they were very like inclusive to keep me involved in the different activities in any way they could. What was the town you grew up in, Maine? Uh, Plymouth, Maine. I know you attended Edinburgh University in Pennsylvania and played on their wheelchair basketball team. How did that come about? Just like any other college sports, the different programs go out and they view different tournaments for junior athletes. So like stand-up basketball, it would be like an AAU tournament where coaches from the collegiate level would come watch. We had like, it was called junior wheelchair basketball tournaments and we had them in different places like Philadelphia, Boston, New York. And I first started getting recruited, I think my junior year of high school where coaches started to come talk to me and I went and visited a couple different universities and Edinburgh just was the one that seemed to fit exactly what I needed at that time. Was there any scholarship money available for that? Uh, There's different opportunities to get scholarships money. It's not like a full ride like for a lot of D1 athletes, but there was definitely some assistance to help offset the costs, especially being an out-of-state tuition as well. Oh, right, Edinburgh is a state school in Pennsylvania. Mm -hmm. How was your experience at school and also on the basketball team there? For me, I think basketball was one of those great motivators to help me also focus in the classroom. So I knew that I, I wanted to play, I needed to make sure I was trying just as hard in the classroom. So for academic wise, it was great for me. I focused in sports administration and management. So that was what my major was when I was there. Basketball wise, it was challenging at first. I was used to only practicing once or twice a week because I lived an hour or two from where the team practiced, whereas basketball now is an everyday event. You know, you're lifting weights two times a week, you're practicing four or five days a week. My body just wasn't used to it at first. The gains I made were quick because I wasn't used to having that type of training ability. So it was definitely a positive in that regard. After graduating from Edinburgh, I understand you played professionally in Europe for a number of years. There's kind of like a networking system where you your name kind of gets passed around, your abilities, you just try to send out some maybe videos of what you can do on the court to different teams overseas. I first played a year in Toulouse, France. Uh, it was a great like learning opportunity. Uh, it was definitely some cultural issues, getting used to a whole other like, world in my mind. You know, you're speaking a different language than the majority of the players on the team. You're, the basketball style is different. I think it's much more physical over there. And it was like my first year, I guess, going from being a college player to like basically a professional. That took a little while for me to get used to. You know, you're playing against 35, 36-year-old men who are much more physically built than you, and you're just kind of coming into that age of your career. It was eye-opening in some regards. The next year, I decided to switch teams. I went to play in Barcelona, Spain which was nice. I took Spanish in high school, so I knew a little bit going into it. After a couple of months, I could communicate, especially on the court, fine with my teammates. It wasn't an issue to speak in Spanish and play. I also loved the culture of Spain. The weather was beautiful. It was just a great experience. And even though I only stayed one year there, it was probably one of those places where I would love to live. There was just always something to do there. And then after Barcelona, I decided to go to a city in Eastern Germany named Zwickau. They had a team at that point, that was like a European powerhouse. They finished top eight in Europe for multiple years. Basketball-wise, it was a great opportunity that I couldn't pass up, despite not quite being the same cultural and weather setting. But I ended up staying there for five years. So You played five seasons there. Mm-hmm. Wow. It was almost like a second home by the time I left. So when you play on the team, say, in Germany for five seasons, you, are you coming back to the U.S. at all between the season? Yeah, me and my fiance would return during the like Christmas New Year break, mm-hmm. and then from like May to August we'd come home as well. 
So okay. it's almost like a school teacher's type schedule. I actually found some video online of you playing on the German team. You're making some three-point shots, making some passes, but there's one play in particular where you grab a rebound and you turn around and throw a full-court pass to a guy streaking down the left side who goes in for a layup, which was pretty impressive. Passing is probably one of my favorite aspects of, of the game. Yeah, I was going to ask you, what do you consider the strongest parts of your game? I'd probably say my passing and court vision. I really like it when we can get everyone involved and like beat a team in multiple ways and not just rely on one or two players to, mm -hmm. to get the job done. When you were in Germany, how much of the language did you learn and what differences in wheelchair accessibility, if any, did you find there compared to here? Probably after a couple of years there, I was pretty, pretty fluent in the language. I could translate for people from other countries who didn't speak German to help try to get everyone on the same page when we're playing. In regards to the accessibility, it's poor compared to the United States. There is no ADA. Businesses basically make it a choice whether they want it to be handicap accessible or not. And that's frustrating, you know, if you just want to go out and have dinner and you're trying to go through your teammates and you arrive to the place and there's no way to get in, it's kind of, it's frustrating. Yeah. That's great that you, you picked up the language. I do all right, but I just kind of try to immerse myself in it. And some people I think are a little tentative to make mistakes at first, and I'm just not. Mm -hmm. I'm not afraid to like not sound grammatically correct the whole time, as long as people can like get my, my point. What about the cultural experiences of uh, living in Germany? The food, the drinks, that sort of thing? I was very interesting to see that beer was cheaper than water when I first showed up. <laughs> Food-wise, there's definitely some different things. You know, like schnitzel and pretzels and sauerkraut are all more common or things like that. So at this point, being a couple years removed from your time in Germany, you know, if you're watching the Olympics and you see an athlete from Germany, do you feel any affinity because that person's from Germany? How do you feel looking back on your time in Germany now? You know, I made a lot of like great friends while I was over there. And it's interesting seeing those people grow. Like we saw there were some younger kids who were just starting when we got there. Now you see them develop and it's crazy to see like the hard work that they put in and where they've come. It's kind of cool to see the difference of just where they are. I also like to keep up with like a lot of my teammates and former teammates and see how they're doing. I'm still in contact with a lot of them as well. In terms of the wheelchair basketball, can you talk a little bit about some of the differences in the roles between what folks know is regular basketball versus the wheelchair variety. I think the first thing that people don't understand is there's a classification system in wheelchair basketball. Here in the United States, we play with 15 points on the court, and each person is designated a classification from one to four and a half, and it goes by point fives. You have to be able to, as a coach, be able to figure out which lineup is the most productive getting to those 15 Because you points. only have a maximum of 15 player points. That's correct. And those player points are based on each person's disability? That's correct. So say someone who's a high-level paraplegic, they would be a class one. Uh, an example of someone who is a 4.5 would maybe be a below-the-knee amputation or someone with severe ACL, MCL injuries, and then everything else is somewhere okay. in between those spectrums. Say a player is classified as a number one, is he necessarily not as good of a player as a, someone classified as a four? Traditionally that's correct, but there's always people who break the norms. Sometimes you have people who are extremely athletic, who are two and a half, that can just do things that people who are three and three and a half can't do. They're just, they just have that ability that they, they're so strong with their classification that it just helps the team that much. What is your classification? I'm a three and a half. And then in terms of other rules like 
dribbling and double dribble and uh, that sort of thing. So a lot of the rules stay the same, the paint's the same size, the hoop's the same height. The major difference is there is no double dribbling. And also in regards to the travel, it's every two pushes you have to dribble once. After that you can put it back in your lap, you can hold it in your hands, but then again after two more pushes you need to dribble. If you give a big push of the wheel, you could conceivably put the ball in your lap and coast with it. Yeah, as far as you want. Unless someone impedes your progress. And can someone basically roll in front of you, or would that be blocking? Uh, It depends on the chair position. You're supposed to use your big tire to stop the person, not the front of your chair. It seems a little backwards compared to stand-up basketball. Stand-up basketball, you're always facing face-to-face with the person, whereas wheelchair basketball, you often have you're facing at a 90-degree angle or with your back to that individual. And the wheels, I noticed, are slanted considerably. Is that for stability of the wheelchair? It's for stability and for turning and maneuverability. Usually the chairs are somewhere between 15 and 20 degree camber on the tires. It's just night and day when you move like an everyday street chair to a basketball chair. The mobility is much more. Oh, exactly. And and that's what I was also going to say, just for folks listening who don't know. The wheelchair that you're using to play basketball is not the wheelchair that you would be using the rest of your day. No, an everyday chair is built more for comfort and practicality, where the basketball chair is basically almost molded to your specific specifications to be able to play basketball. So, for example, in my everyday chair that I use sometimes, it's maybe 16 inches across. My basketball chair is 14 inches because I want that super snug fit Mm -hmm. to be in my chair so I can use my hips to turn each way. Yeah, there's a lot of agility people show, even though they're in a wheelchair during a wheelchair basketball game. I think that's one of the most surprising things to people who haven't seen the game before, is actually the pace and the agility that are used by the players. In fact, the pace can be quite fast on fast breaks because people are literally rolling down the court and moving at a pretty good clip. Yeah, once we're out there, everyone's flying around and there's no, no holds barred on what could happen. Can you also talk a little bit about the upper body strength that's required to make a shot, particularly a three-point shot, but even shooting from closer to the basket when you don't have your legs to give you that push and you're, you're shooting from a sitting position? That's the first thing that like people, when they try it, they're like, the basket's really far away. When I stand up, it's much closer. And what they don't understand is how much you're getting from your lower body. When I'm shooting in my chair, I'm basically using everything from my abs up at the most just to get that ball there. and. From the three-point line, it can be pretty far for some players, especially in their first try. I've, I've seen you in person, but also on video make, make some three-point shots. Yeah, it's just like one of those things that practice makes permanent. The more time you put into it, the better off you're going to be. So after you came back to the U.S. for good after your final season in Germany, what type of work did you do at that point? When I first came back, I went back to Edinburgh University and I worked there as an assistant coach in a volunteer capacity for a few months while I was getting back, figuring out what I wanted to do, and getting my career started as a normal professional and not a wheelchair basketball player. So that was my first step in coming back. How long were you assistant coach at Edinburgh? For about three months until the beginning of November 2015. Okay, and where did you go from there? Then I moved to the D.C. area and became a military adaptive sports coordinator at Walter Reed National Military Medical Center. What does that work involve? Uh, on a day-to-day basis, I'm teaching recovering service members how to do or be involved in various sports like wheelchair basketball, sit volleyball, kayaking, rowing, skiing, cycling, and so on. How do you like that work? It's really rewarding when you can help someone in their process of getting better, whether it's just finding a new passion for them when they translate to being a civilian or just helping them on their path to returning to duty. 
And are there any other sports besides basketball that you do? The only other sport that I personally partake in right now is hand cycling. I got involved with that at work, and it's just something that I've kind of developed to cross-train myself, especially during the off-season. Can you describe for folks listening what a hand cycle is and what it looks like? Sure. There's a couple different types. Uh, The type that I use is one where you have a tire in front of you and two tires behind you, and you're sitting approximately maybe six to eight inches off the ground, and the hand crank is in front of you, like chest level, and you're just basically propelling yourself by going forward and backwards in like a circular motion. With your hands at the same time. That's correct. So it's it's kind of uh, simulating more of a bicycle mode of transportation. Yeah, very similar. Instead of using your legs, you're just using your arms. So when you go for a ride on the hand cycle, what, what type of distances might you cover? Uh, normally at work, we go on like 20 to 30 mile rides. Wow. So we'll go down from like Bethesda to Georgetown and back, or from Bethesda down to Reagan Airport and back. So just knowing the area on the way back, you're going uphill most of the way. Yeah. How, how is that? <laughs> uh, it's definitely not as fun as the way down. I think it's about an eight or nine hundred foot climb on the way back. So yeah. it's definitely a difference. It's got to be extremely difficult. It was very challenging at first. Now it's not too bad. I've been doing it for a while, so. You're very strong, obviously, in your upper body, just looking at you. Yeah, it's, a lot of it's come from just being in a wheelchair and playing basketball for so long that it's crossed over into making hand cycling slightly easier than it probably would if I didn't mm-hmm. have that ability. Coming back to the Punishers, what sort of things can you say about being a member of that team? I've really enjoyed playing with the Punishers the last two years. I think the team has grown together a lot over the two years. We have people coming from different backgrounds of playing and blending everyone together. It's been fun. So do you plan on continuing to be a member of the Punishers in future seasons? Yeah, I definitely do. Uh, here in the state side, I think we have one of the strongest teams. I think just more experience together will help us. We have a lot of people who've recently just started playing with the team in the last couple of years. And you see a lot of these other teams have been playing together like eight or 10 years and they have that continuity that we don't have yet, but I think we're in the process of getting. I know the national tournament is in April. Are you guys going to be going to that? We will be going. I'm very excited. We didn't go last year, so this will be the first year going as a punisher. And I'm excited for what our our team can do at the end of the season. Well, I think that's a great place to wrap up. Thanks for doing this, Bryce. Yeah, no problem. I really enjoyed it, Brian. Special thanks and lots of love to Heidi for creating the podcast cover art and being incredibly supportive of my podcasting hobby. I love you.